Hey, listen, I, I don't know if you've heard Elder Karen speak before, but I have. And I just want to encourage you, if you're, if you're not working tomorrow and you can get out to this thing or you can take a little break from work, get out here. Because I'm telling you, she's an anointed woman of God. She's got a lot to say. And uh, ladies, Thursday night, get out here, uh, bring your friends. Bring a friend tomorrow morning too, right? You, you, they can bring friends. Is that true? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Maybe I'll break the party or something, you know. I have seen Mike in a dress. I, I'm not going to go there to this morning, but... No, I truly have. <laughs> sure. oh, go ahead and put the photo up real quick. No, real kidding. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> hey, real quick, um, 4th of July, we're not going to do church service on Wednesday night. We're going to do it on Thursday night because Thursday night is the 4th of July. And so we're going to have the kids' slides out there. We're going to have the fireworks. Who was here last year for the fireworks party? I mean, this thing was, like, better than you could get down in Tempe Town Lake. So, anyway, come on out. Just uh, put that on your calendar that we won't be here Wednesday. We'll be here Thursday. Everybody say we'll be here Thursday, which is the 4th, okay? All right, without further ado, this is part three, Embrace Health, Wellness, and Wholeness. And uh, what I want to talk to you about this morning is I want to talk to you about living a fasted life. Uh, we do an annual fast here, semi-annual really, and we'll do other fasts corporately as a church. But one thing I picked up on a long time ago is that I want to live a fasted life. And you're like, well, what is a fasted life? What's the difference? There is no difference. The difference is, is that instead of waiting for a corporate fast for me to do what I do, I actually fast almost every day. Almost every day. And what I do is... Um, I really uh, don't have breakfast normally unless I'm speaking or other because it can play with your brain a little bit. Am I, am I lying? Yeah, you got to have a little glucose up there in that brain, you know, to, to do what you got to do. But on most days, I will uh, get up, I'll have a, a, a night, I'll make a nice uh, hot cup of green tea. I love green tea. Emperor's Cloud Green Tea at Starbucks is like, it, it's incredible. So I'll get one of those, and then I'll add a scoop of um, wheatgrass to that, and then I'll add a scoop of, one scoop of the pea protein, pea and rice protein, so a vegan protein to that, and then I'll add uh, amino acids to that, and then all, all, the only other thing I'll add to that is uh, chia seeds. And so if you ever want to try that, it's a great breakfast. It's got lots of fats. It's got the amino acids in there. And the, thing, the reason I put the wheatgrass in there is because it'll alkalinize or it'll balance the acids of the amino acids that I take. You really only need certain micronutrients. I mean, they're, they're, they're called micronutrients for a reason. You don't need much of them. And most of us eat constantly. We eat too much. And it really puts a tax on a lot of our digestive organs, our liver, our pancreas, um, and, and, and really all of our body because we're putting too much in and that digestive tract doesn't really get a chance to recover. So if you can learn to live a fasted life, and it's fasting is not just going without, it's really challenging yourself at a deeper level because in the morning I'm also challenging myself in my Bible study, in my prayer, all of those kinds of things. So I want to encourage all of you to incorporate 
a, a fasted life. If you recall a few weeks ago, one of the Blue Zone study factors that showed longevity and quality of life in these little Blue Zone areas around the world where they have the longest lives and the highest quality of life was fasting. Remember, no food after 6 p.m. generally and no food before noon. But if you throw that little shake in there in the morning, that'll give you enough to keep yourself going. How many people know me to be a fairly energetic person? So, you know, it, uh, my point is, is it doesn't take much food. And if you'll give your digestive organs a chance to recover, uh, they'll perform even better. Amen? So in Luke 18, 9 through 12, it says, Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. And it says, The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like all those other people out there cheaters and sinners and adulterers. I am certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. The tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And what I want you to understand is, is it's not about fasting. You're not going to force the hand of God to do something that ordinarily wouldn't have been done. It, that's not what fasting is. Fasting isn't to stand there and say, well, look what I've done. Praise the Lord. You know, I, you know, I, I fast and I, I give a tenth of my income and, and I'm not like all those other people out there. It, there's no self-promotion like, in what I'm talking about. Some people say, well, you know, Pastor Paul, you're just healthy and that's just the way you are. No, I've actually learned to enjoy the process. It's not to make me better or someone worse. It's that I incorporate that into my own lifestyle to create health for myself. And I'm not doing it to be seen. I'm not doing it to make myself better or any of those kinds of things. What I discovered in my life, and there's a scripture I'll show you here later. Uh, we're going to go into this. But what I discovered was is that my, when my body works better, my mind works better. When my mind works better, my prayer life works better. Everything just works better. And if I can do anything to take care of the health that God has given to me, I can find great joy in that. I can find great satisfaction in that because I'm not doing it just for the sake of doing it. If you really knew me, the reason I want to take care of this temple is, number one, is because it is the temple of God and it is the indwelling place of where God is and my body is not my own, but it's also because I want to have longevity and quality of life so I can continue to be here on this planet and be an influence for the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to be able to do that all through my whole life. But let's read a little bit here. How many people have heard of the Daniel fast? Praise the Lord. I'm here to tell you I don't believe it was a fast. I don't believe that. There, it, it was a lifestyle that Daniel and, uh, was living long before he got there. And it says in Daniel 1, verse 1 through 20, it says, During the third year of King Jacob, that guy's reign in Judah, 
King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. So it would be like someone coming in here or just, I mean, taking everything we got, right? And it says, the Lord gave him victory over King that person of Judah and permitted him to take some to, of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered that person, his, his chief staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. So basically they're taking the, the, the choicest of people, the most highly educated people out of um, uh, Judah and into uh, Babylon. And what they want them to do is they want them to serve in the courts. And it says, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. Uh, he said, make sure they are all well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. It says, train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were, uh, they were to be trained for three years. And when they entered the royal service, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who became Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right, um, were four of the young men chosen, all of the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Bethshazzar. And what's cool is, is that the other guy's got really easier names to say, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. He was determined not to what? Defile himself by eating that food. He asked the chief of staff for permission to not eat the unacceptable foods. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I am afraid that the king will basically kill me for doing what you're asking me to do. And it says, Daniel, with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, those guys, please test us for 10 Ten days. Ten days. On a diet consisting of vegetables and water. Daniel said, at the end of the ten days, see how we look compared to the other young men and women who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for ten days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the other young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables of food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual, hear this, aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel 
the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was complete, the chief of the staff and all the young men of, of King Nebuchadnezzar, then the king talked with them, and no one impressed the king as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter acquiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them how many times? Ten times more capable in every way than any of the magicians and the enchanters of his entire kingdom. Now, when, when, when I went through all my nutrition classes and my, my transformation, um, I remember the doctor, or the, yeah, they were doctors, and they were talking about how when you start putting in your body what it needs, how this can even take you to a higher spiritual level. How you're connecting with God even more because these vitamins, these minerals, these uh, amino acids, these, these, these enzymes, all of these things. You've got to realize God created those foods for us to put in our bodies. And if God organized something, he organizes it for a purpose. It's not just, well, you know, hey, you know, here's some veggies over here and some other stuff. Just, you know, do with it whatever you want. No, you got to remember, back in Genesis, we covered this in week one and two. He has given us every herb-bearing seed as food for us. And you've got to realize that just because there's food in the grocery store does not qualify it as the quality of the food that God has designed us to receive in our bodies. So I just want to encourage you, I'm not here to tell you to make these radical changes. Several of you have come to me after these services and said, oh my gosh, I got, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go. Do. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Just start making the adjustments. Just start working towards a healthier diet, a healthier lifestyle. Because it's not just the food that you're putting in your body, it's the thoughts that you're allowing in your mind. It's, it's the actions or the lack of actions, you know, of what you're doing uh, as you're going through your day as well. So don't make it all about food, but I do want you guys to see in this passage of Scripture how, Dan how important it was for Daniel to maintain the diet that he had to enhance his spirituality, which is what actually happened as a result of him doing what he did. 1 Corinthians 6, 12-13, it says, You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach, and stomach for the food. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for, the, the body was made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. The Lord cares about our bodies. If the Lord cares about our bodies, we should care about our bodies. It's not about appearance. It's not about any of those things. It's about understanding the laws that God has put in place that if you provide the right balance of nature and nurture to your body, it can do amazing things. With, with a healthy mind and a healthy body, you can do anything. 
absolutely anything. But the moment that loss, that, that, that body starts losing its vitality, starts losing its health, I'm just here to tell you I'm an advocate for health. And all I can tell you is, is if you'll start making these little changes and you'll start incorporating a healthier lifestyle into your, into your life, you will begin to see how your body, not the medicine, not the supplement, not the food in and of itself, but how the body is stimulated to heal and repair itself. God has put that in every single person. And in week one, I went through how many cells your body produces in a day and so on and so forth. Your body is constantly regenerating itself, rejuvenating itself. And the other thing that I would say about, you know, you say, well, I'm always hungry, I'm always hungry, I'm always hungry. Well, you're always hungry likely because you're missing those micronutrients your body needs. And so it's processing all of this food that's void of what the body needs. And it's taking a lot of resources and energy to do that. But your body is still saying, I'm hungry. It's not because you have a lack of food. It's because you have a lack of those micronutrients. And so if you could improve the quality of the food that you're eating, you wouldn't require the quantity of food that you're currently consuming. And this just helps the body. Colossians 2, 16 through 17 says, Do not let anyone condemn you. Now, this is your get-out-of-jail-free card until I tell you what it's talking about, okay? And I hear people say this scripture all the time. It's like, oh, Pastor Paul, no, God says I can eat anything I want. God says, you know, he, what he's made clean is clean, right? It says, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. Or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. And you say, well, it says right there. It says I can eat whatever I want to eat. You've got to realize what the scripture is talking about. There were people coming into the kingdom of God. Okay? And they were coming into the kingdom of God with all kinds of cultures, all kinds of feasts and so on and so forth and holy days and all this stuff. And what he's basically telling them is, don't forbid that. Let them come into the body of Christ. Don't judge them. Don't condemn them for their behavior. Make sure they receive Jesus Christ. Jesus will do the work. You see what I'm saying? So this scripture gets misinterpreted a lot uh, in the body of Christ, and it certainly is that get-out-of-jail-free card. I've even, you know, we'll joke around the courtyard when we're having fun out here eating our junk food. We, we do that. We like it, right? I do it. You've seen me do it as well. So don't be condemned, okay? But we'll joke around. We'll say, well, you know what? The Lord is cleansed, has cleansed. <laughs> you know, he's cleansed. You just want to make sure that whatever you do, you do it in moderation, because the previous scripture, you know, says, don't let, don't get enslaved to anything. How many people in here know that you could overcome the hunger that you experience? You could. You really could. But it would take that kind of effort. Now, I've got about 11 minutes left. And there are some scriptures that I just want to quickly read for you. I don't want to read these scriptures to be condemning. I want to read these scriptures because they're the Word of God, and I want you to know what the Word of God has to say as it relates to our food. And it's, uh, let's start in Philippians 3.19. It says, they're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite, 
They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. So you've got to understand, you may not say, my God is my appetite, because I know all of you in this room have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but how much less could you do of it? Where could you tell this flesh no, just for the sake of telling it no? This is a fasted life. It's, it's to say, oh, I could, but I'm not going to. Well, why aren't you going to, Paul? Because I don't, because I want to keep this check, this flesh in check. That's all I want to do. I want to make sure that this thing knows who's in charge. And who's in charge is my spirit. But that choice of that spiritual walk where his spirit can bear witness with my spirit requires my soul to choose this. Or that. Psalm 78, 17 through 22, it says, Yet they kept on singing against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They stubbornly tested God in their hearts, demanding the foods they crave. They even spoke against God himself, saying, God can't give us food in the wilderness. Yes, he can strike a rock and water gushes out, but he can't give his people bread and meat. When the Lord heard them, he was furious. The fire of his wrath burned against Jacob. Yes, his anger rose against Israel, for they did not believe God or trust him to care for them. Proverbs 13, 25. The righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the stomach of the wicked always has need. Proverbs 25, 16. You have, found, have you found honey? Eat only what you need, that you not have it in excess and vomit it. Proverbs 23, it says, when, uh, while dining with a ruler, pay attention to what is pure before you. If you, if you are a big eater, put a knife to your throat. Don't desire the delicacies, for he might be trying to trick you. Please don't put a knife to your throat. Just, just go on and live it, not a diet. Praise the Lord. Okay? You'll be just fine. Um, goes on in Proverbs 23, 19 through 21. It says, uh, 19 through 21. It says, My child, listen and be wise. Keep your heart on the right course. Do not carouse with drunkards or eat or feast with gluttons, for they are on their way to poverty. And too much sleep clothes them in rags. Ezekiel 16, 49 and 50. Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness. Three things. Now, when I think of Sodom, I think of many, many other things. Like, oh my gosh, it was like hell on earth. But here you have him saying Sodom's sins. So the source of these sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness. And while the poor and needy suffered outside her door, she was proud and committed uh, de detestable sins, so I wiped her out, as you have seen. Proverbs 28.7, the one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a, a companion of gluttons shames his father. Deuteronomy 21.20, and they shall say to the elders of this city, this is our son. This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not re obey our voice. He is a glutton and he is a drunkard. And so I'm done with the 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 the, the hell fire and brimstone. Now praise the Lord. 
My only point here is not to bring any level of condemnation. I already read that before. It says do not condemn anyone, anyone. But what I do want you to know, and I could go on and on and on and on and on and on, and then I could go on and then I could go on and on and on with other scriptures that talk about the importance of food. Who in this room can survive without food? Anyone. Anyone. <laughs> right? So how many people know it's a big part of our lives, the choices that we make? How many people ate yesterday? Praise the Lord. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, the day before that, yeah, you raised your hand again. So I'm just saying this is a really big deal, and we should have a very strong distinction, just as uh, Daniel did, as, a, as a, a difference between the church and the world, as it relates to our health, as it relates to how our brains function, as it relates to all of these kinds of things. And the Bible goes into this over and over and over again on how important it is to supply your body with the right amount and quality of food. Amen? Praise the Lord. I got a couple. All right. We're going to move on now. We'll have some fun with it now. You ready to have some fun with it? Okay. Um, let's get into the encouraging part. Fasting changes things. It, it literally, it's changing you, but, I mean, it's changing you at a very, very deep level. And it's changing what you're experiencing as well. Fasting was used in almost every major dispensation of, of the glory of God. Now, let me give you some examples of this. Exodus 34, verse 28 says, Moses remained there on the mountain with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. In all that time, he ate no bread and drank no water, and the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, on the stone tablets. Here you have a man of God that says, I am going to fast. I am going to pray. And all of a sudden, he meets God, and the Ten Commandments are given in that moment. This changed the course of the church for generations, thousands of years. Things began to change. Luke 4, 1 through 4, it says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at, the time, at that time and became very hungry. And you're looking at early in the gospel, Luke 4. You're only in the fourth chapter. He hasn't done any miracles or signs and wonders. He just got baptized. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he is immediately tempted by the devil. And he says, you know what, I'm going to fast. And he fasted, and he overcame the power of the devil. And, I mean, he overcame it. Out of that came his ministry. He walked away from that after he understood the power that he had that, that I mean, overpowered the enemy, the devil. He went out and he started healing the sick. He started, I mean, a ministry beyond any ministry you've ever seen. In Luke 4, 13 through 14, it says after this, that when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. And trust me, the devil wants to keep knocking on your door. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. 
Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the power of the uh, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly throughout the entire region. Now you're talking about a man that decided I'm going to go without for the purpose of overcoming the devil. And he won. Acts 13.2. It says, one day these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. You're talking about people who are worshiping and fasting, and then the Holy Spirit comes. How many people know who Saul is? Saul is the apostle of all, will become the apostle of all apostles, won't he? This came out of fasting. This came out of worshiping. And I'm not just talking about just going without. Don't bother. Don't even do it. It's a waste of your time. But if you will get to a point in your life where you live a fasted life, meaning I'm going without for the purpose of, of my study in the Word of God, for the purpose of my prayers to be uh, more effective, for the purpose of hearing the still small voice more clearly in my life, you'll have such dunamis power that, it, it. and again, we're all looking for this big miraculous thing, and I'm just telling you, you're creating these little bits of momentum that are creating this massive wave in your life. It's something that is, is going before you as a result of you doing what you're doing. Purifying yourself. Optimizing your own health and your own well-being. I like this one here, Acts 14, 23. It says, Now Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in the church with which, with prayer and fasting they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. You have birthed the, the entire gospel, the entire church out of prayer, worship, fasting. And if you'll learn to live this fasted life, I promise you, your spirit will get in such control. It's no longer going to be your flesh in control. It says, give me this. Give me that. And, and you just say, okay, all right, all right, okay, okay. And you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it because you got to keep petting the flesh, you know. It's, oh, you're so nice. And I want to make sure you're taken care of this way. It makes us all feel so good. Man, you done wore the hair off of that dog, petting it so much. Wore off. Got no hair on the top of his back anymore. I just want to stand for who you truly are. You are healthy. You are whole. You are well. And I want to encourage you to look at this temple that you have been given, this health that you have been given. And I want you to begin to say, you know what? No one else in the world can take care of this but me. No one else. It's going to be my own choices and what I'm going to choose to do. And each choice, I'm telling you, creates some sort of result. And if you're not getting the result you want in your health, I want to encourage you, just start giving your body what it needs. And just start to watch it do what it does. Amen? All right. Well, I want to make sure that the greatest nutrient in your in yourself is present, and that is the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is the presence of God in your life. Because, listen, you could go out and live the healthiest life you want, but if you don't have Christ, you're going to enjoy this short little life, and it's going to be over.
But if you'll learn how to, I mean, really grab a hold of who you are in Jesus Christ, really bring your Savior into your life, and not just do the fasting and the praying and all that stuff for religious duties, but do it as unto Him, I'll tell you, He is so honored. You are the greatest investment God has ever made. You are. You're precious in His sight. He wants you to be His son. He wants you to be His daughter. And I want you to say this prayer together with me this morning. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all the things I've done wrong. I make you the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just keep your heads bowed for just a moment. If you said that prayer this morning, you meant it with all your heart. You either came back to Christ or you've dedicated your life for the first time this morning. I just want you to slip your hand up. Nobody looking around. Just you and God. Hallelujah. All right, eyes open, looking around. This week, start making those little changes, just little changes. And just begin to do it, not just for yourself, but to honor God. Bring what he's given to you, bring that into your body, and allow it to do what it is designed by God to do. Okay? God bless you guys. You, uh, I want to invite you to second service. Uh, we're going to have uh, Pastor Barb here. Uh, there's some coffee uh, and, and some good sweets out there you can enjoy as well. Otherwise, just hang out, have some fellowship back there. And if you eat something back there that isn't so good for you, then then just make the rest of your day, right? You can go back and, and make up the difference, okay? If you need prayer, we're always here at the altar as well. God bless you all.